17 with me. 1 Samuel chapter 17. First Samuel chapter 17. I do want to say that if you've been wondering uh, what has happened to me, I too was on vacation and got a 10 as well. <laughs> kidding, kidding, kidding. Some things I just don't have to worry about, right? Life isn't fair, folks. <laughs> First Samuel chapter 17. It has been a blessing to be here with you all today. And um, I trust that something that was said from the word of God was able to be a help and encouragement to you. Um, Tonight, this message is going to be specifically for the young people. But as we read the text and as we preach the word of God this evening, I want to remind all of us that the Bible is still for all of us, regardless if it's a message that may be geared towards young people. uh, If we ask the Lord to speak to us and this word is preached, I believe that he will speak to us while this word is preached. But it has been a blessing uh, to be here with you all this evening. And I'm, I'm encouraged seeing what God is doing here. And uh, I'm, it's glad to see, I'm glad to see a church that is thriving, a church that is alive, a church that is not dying. And uh, it's a blessing to see what God is doing in this place. And I want to say thank you to your pastor, uh, Pastor Farmer, for giving me the opportunity uh, to be here and minister the word to you all this morning. And it's just great to see what God is doing in this place. I used to tell our young people often that our youth ministry is not just a youth ministry to you. It is also a youth ministry for you. And in saying that, I mean that our young people should get involved in service. And if you want to gauge if you have a really good youth ministry, the gauge is, are your youth ministering? Are they involved? Are they serving? Are they actively involved in the work of God? And from the time I walked in, I see these young men with their usher usher badges on and people being involved and young people singing and serving the Lord. I love seeing that. That's the gauge that there's a good youth ministry that's going on if the youth are ministering. So the youth ministry is not something that's to the young people. It's something that's for the young people. And I want to encourage you young people and parents alike to get your children involved as much as possible. And I wasn't someone that was born in a, in a Christian home. Uh, when I was born, my father, he was in prison. My uh, brothers, they were running the streets. They were in gangs and selling drugs and doing all those things. But it was a youth ministry that made the difference in my life. It was a youth camp. It was a youth rally. It was a youth conference. And being consistent in that, God just changed my life and not even my life. He changed my eternity. And um, I just want to just encourage you young people, don't stray away from the youth group. Parents, don't pull your children away, but pull them towards it. And God will do a work in their life. Uh, I I can assure you of that. So I'm just glad that I could have a small part uh, this evening. But first Samuel chapter 17, just going to read a couple verses. We're going to begin reading in verse 32. If you're there, would you say amen? The Bible says, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth and he a man of war from his youth. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. And before I do, I just want to tell Facebook Live. Where is Facebook Live? Jared, your mom said, listen up. We're good. I told her I would do it. I'm sorry, y'all. I got a little crazy side, but y'all bear with me. OK, let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll get started. I'm just kidding. Jerry, don't hate me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word is alive and real. God, we thank you for the people that you have here this evening. God, I pray that you would speak to their hearts as only you can. 
God, you promised in your word that your word would not return void. So, God, regardless if it's a message that may be geared towards young people, God, I believe that you have something for everyone this evening. So, God, I pray that you will speak to my heart as I preach your word. God, you know that I have some notes prepared this evening, but, Father, I pray that you'll help me not to be bound by my notes, but, God, may I be controlled by you. God, may you help me to be sensitive to the leading of your spirit. Father, I pray that you would speak through me as only you can into the hearts of these, your people. And God, I give you all the praise and all the honor for it. In your precious name, Jesus, we do pray. Amen. Throughout the word of God, we have to remind ourselves that the children of Israel, they are God's chosen people. Now, when you read throughout the Bible, you will see often that the children of Israel, they didn't always choose God. You will read throughout the word of God. You will see over and over again. You will see the children of Israel. They did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Again, that they did that which is evil in the sight of the Lord. But even though they didn't always choose God, it's amazing to see that God always chose them. Aren't you glad that God doesn't treat us like we oftentimes treat him? So the children of Israel, they are God's chosen people. And when God chose the children of Israel, God had full intentions for the children of Israel to be what we call a theocracy. So God wanted the children of Israel not to be ruled by a man, but to be ruled by him, not to be ruled by the king of a man, but to be ruled by the king of kings. But the children of Israel, they began to look at everything else that all the other nations had, and they wanted to be like the other nations. You know, a very quick way to be discontent with what God has given you is to be looking around at what God has given other people or what other people have. Because some things what other people have, they didn't get it from God. They got it from the devil from their own hand. So sometimes we can get discontent by looking at what other people have, and that makes us be discontent with what God has given us. The children of Israel, they are looking at a nation that is being ran by, the, by a man, and they got discontent that their nation was only being ran by God. So they went to Samuel and said, Samuel, we want a king, and the reason we want a king is so that we can be just like the other nations. And Samuel said, the Bible says that the thing that the people told Samuel, it grieved him, and God told Samuel... Samuel, don't let your heart be grieved. They have not rejected you, but instead they've rejected me because I wanted my people to be a theocracy. I wanted them to be led and ran by me. God told Samuel to tell the people that, you know, he's going to take your sons. He's going to take your daughters. You're, you're going to be taxed. He's going to take a, a tenth of your vineyards. It's not going to be a pretty thing when you get a king. But the people still decided that they wanted a king. You know, sometimes in life, God will give us God will give us exactly what we ask for, wouldn't it? Sometimes God will give us exactly what we have. The people demanded a king. And guess what? God gave them a king. So they chose Saul. And we know that Saul, he disobeyed God or he partially obeyed God, which is partial obedience is complete disobedience. So he partially obeyed God. And God said, Saul, because you've rejected me, I have rejected you from being king over Israel. Is that that moment that God made it known to Saul and God made it known to the children of Israel that I'm now going to choose a man that is after mine own heart. So if you were to look into 1 Samuel chapter 16, there's a man by the name of Samuel going to the house of Jesse in search of a king. He gets to the house of Jesse in search of a king and they put up the young man that they think is the best. They put up the oldest brother. They, they put up Eliab. Eliab, they said, surely this boy looks like a king. Surely this boy, he carries himself like it. You got to remember one of the reasons that they chose Saul to be king was because he was head and shoulders. Say this boy, he looks like a king. So they chose Eliab. And when they chose Eliab, Eliab stepped forward. And we are we learned something very important about God and even something very important about us. God told Samuel, don't look on his outward appearance. Don't look on his countenance or the height of his stature. He says man looks on the outward appearance, but God, he looks on the heart. 
Can I can I remind you this evening that when God looks at us, God is looking at a place that only God can see. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God, he looks on the heart. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Look, sometimes if we're honest parents and if we're honest youth workers, if we're honest pastors, sometimes we get it wrong. Don't we? We say, oh, that, per- that young person is going to be used by God. That young person, they're going to be something special. That young person may be a missionary. That young person may be a preacher. And then God chooses someone that was overlooked. That's exactly what happened in this story. They bring up a lie up and seven other sons of of Jesse. God says, I have chosen none of these. And that's when they remember about David, the young man who was just watching those few sheep. They called David before Samuel and God speaks to Samuel and says, Samuel, arise, anoint him for this is he. As a teenage young man, David has been anointed king of all Israel. Not soon after David was anointed king of all Israel. Saul has this evil spirit that comes upon him. And Saul, I find this amazing. Saul tells the men in Israel, he says, find me a man that can come and play a musical instrument for me. Provide me now, man. Seek me out a man. And out of all the men in Israel, out of all the musicians in Israel, they choose a 17-year-old boy. I tell young men this all the time. In your boyhood days, there should be some manhood ways. In your boyhood days, look, when God made you a boy, he didn't make a mistake. Young ladies, when God made, don't let the world confuse you that you can pick and choose. When God made you a boy, he expected you to be a man. And when God made you a girl, he expected you to grow up to be a woman. Amen. Don't don't let the world confuse you with all this nonsense that's going on. In David's boyhood days, there were some men who the king says, find me a man. And David carried himself so well as a young man that they chose him in place of a man. The next chapter. Chapter 17. We have the scene of a battlefield. We have Israel on one side, the Philistines on the other side, and big head Goliath is in the middle. Goliath is walking through this valley. And guess what Goliath is saying? Provide me now a man. Send me a man. Send me out a man to fight me. No one moves. (laughs) Now, what Goliath is propositioning is that instead of us having an all-out war, we'll have a championship fight. So you send your best man, we'll send our best man, they'll fight. And if Israel wins, then the Philistines will serve them. If the Philistines win, then Israel will serve them. No one moves on the battlefield. And then we get to our text verse in verse number 32. The Bible says, and David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth and he a man of war from his youth. So we have the scene of a battlefield now. It's the championship fight. No one is moving. Everyone is afraid. Now we got to understand something about Goliath. He's not your average guy. (laughs) Let me just say that. Look, Goliath, I told you, we're basketball players. So Goliath walked into an NBA regulation gym. He could stand up and dunk the ball without even jumping. He was 10 feet tall. Goliath is holding over 100 pounds in armor, and he's saying, somebody come out here and fight me. Would you move? (laughs) No one moved. And Goliath comes in on the scene as a teenage boy, and he says, king, let no man's heart fail because of Goliath. He says, thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Now, I want you to be honest with me this evening. Have you ever read something in your Bible that didn't make sense to you? You can be honest with me. I won't tell your pastor. The king says, David, 
He says, you cannot go and fight against Goliath because you're youth. Then he says, but by the way, Goliath has been fighting in the Philistines army since he was a youth. That don't make sense to me. You know why that doesn't make sense? Look, if Goliath can fight in the army of the Philistines as a youth, then why can't David fight in the army of Israel as a youth? Listen to me, young people. This is a philosophy that the devil wants you to buy into, that you're old enough to live for the devil, but you're too young to live for God. You're old enough to do what's wrong, but you're too young to do what's right. And I want to ask you a question this evening, young people. If, if Dave, Goliath could fight in the army of the Philistines as a youth, then why can't David fight in the army of God as a youth? If your generation can live for the devil, then why can't you live for God? If your generation can do what is wrong, then why can't you do what is right? If, if your generation can live a lifestyle of immorality, then why can't you live a lifestyle of purity? If they can do it at their age, surely you can do something for God at your age. So what I want to encourage you young people is to give your youth to God. Give your life to God. And you have an excellent opportunity right now to give more of your life to God than to the devil. We, we, had, a, we had a man in our church. He, he was having a birthday. I can't remember exactly what year it was for him. But when this birthday came around, he was very emotional. And I couldn't figure out why this man was so emotional. I'm saying it's just a birthday. You done had about 60 of them. But he's emotional. He's emotional. And then he told me this. He says, Brother Ed, this is the first year where I have given more of my life to God than I have to the devil. Young people, you have an opportunity to give more of your life to God than you will to the devil. So how was David as a young man to be, be able to say that, King, I will go out there as a youth and stand for God? Notice with me firstly that David, he had a connection. David had a connection. Look at verse number chapter 16 and verse number 18. They, they give an amazing biographical sketch of David in verse 18. The Bible says, then answered one of the servants and said, behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite that is cunning and playing. He's a skillful man and a mighty valiant man. He's a strong man and a man of war. He's a soldier and prudent in matters. He's smart and a comely person. He's sharp. But look at this now. And the Lord is with him. He's spiritual. Look now, young, young people, listen to me very carefully now. You can access a lot of things in life. But if you live life and you don't have God with you, you missed out on the best thing. And listen to me now. A good thing becomes a bad thing when it takes the place of a best thing. So it's nothing wrong with going out to college. There's nothing wrong with getting a degree. There's nothing wrong with getting a job. But you better be sure that everywhere you go, you are going where God wants you to go. And you better be sure that you keep the Lord with you. Because a good thing can become a bad thing when it takes the place of the best thing. And the best thing is to walk through life having God with you. It said a lot of good things about David. But the best thing that is said about David was that God was with David. David, he, he had a connection not only did David had a connection, but David, he had some character. David had character. Chapter 17. Look at verse number 16. The Bible says, and the Philistines drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. Look now, this this joke had been talking trash for 40 days. Look, we think it was one day every day. This big head joker come in the valley. Anybody want to fight? Nobody moves for 40 days. David comes on the scene in verse number 17, the Bible says, and Jesse said unto David, 
his son. Take now for thy brethren an ephah of parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren. And carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousands and look how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. Look now. David, it was just anointed king in chapter 16. Now in chapter 17, David gets his first job as king. His first duty as king. I might shock you when I tell you this. You ready? Did you know that David did not go to the battlefield to fight Goliath? That's not why he went. David, you were just anointed king. You are one day you will be the king of Israel. David, what is your first kingly job? Carry some cheese. <laughs> carry some bread and some parched corn. David carried his lunchable. Right? I want you to go to the battlefield. David, don't do anything when you go to the, David. The only thing I want you to do is take this lunchable to your brothers. That was his job. Now, some of you like me, we just got anointed king. No, no, sir. I'm going to ring my bell and you're going to bring me a lunchable and it better have a butterfinger in it. <laughs> right. But David had some character. Look now, young people, listen to me. You will never be used of God in a great way until you take care of the small things. So sometimes we want to jump to the big things. We want to kill Goliath, but we don't want to carry the lunchable. He was taking care of the small things. And then once he took care of the small things, God gave him greater opportunity. Say, well, I'm going to go around and I'm going to preach. But you ain't even done your homework yet. How are you going to prepare a message and you ain't even done your homework? And the teachers gave you the answers to the homework. That one day I'm going to be a missionary and I'm going to be the leader. I'm going to be the leader in the youth group. You still get mad when your mama tell you to make your bed. You you kick the trash can when it's time to take the trash out. But you come in now, you Mr. Spiritual. Come on now. If you want to be used in the big ways, don't jump to the big ways. You take care of those small things. Don't look at your parents. Just act like they're not in here, young people. If you got a parent like my mama, see, only say amen when the preacher's talking about me. Some of these boys don't want to take the trash out. My mama, I know that's right. Mama. Ah, goodness. Some of you fellas like, don't, don't say nothing. Please, mama, don't say nothing. I understand the pain you're going through. Just act like they're not in here, all right? David, he was serving in a small capacity. And while he was serving in a small capacity, God gave him greater opportunity. The Bible says, despise not the day of small beginnings. God will open greater doors, but as God opens greater doors, you got to take care of those small things. Be diligent in the small things, and God will give you greater opportunity. David, he was serving. Not only was David serving, but David, he was saluting. He was saluting. Look down at verse number 22. We'll just jump around a little bit. The Bible says, And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brother. To me, this shows us something about David's character. Look, we, you, you, we know what would have happened if David didn't respect his father. But David right now, he's respecting his brothers. You, you can always tell something about a person's character by how they treat someone that can't do anything for them. David was a young man that carried himself with such character that he was respecting everyone that he came in contact. That's an exceptional young man. David, he's, he's a servant. David is saluting. But David is also shouting. Look at verse number 20. And David, look, look, you want to see something that tells you how exceptional of a young man David was? Listen to this first part of this verse. And David rose up early in the morning. 
If that don't tell you that he was a different kind of young person, some of you young people, you don't wait on Saturday, you don't wake up till noon, and then you still eat a bowl of cereal like it's still breakfast time. <laughs> Say, how do you know? I've been there. I told you I used to be a teenage boy before. So David, he rose up early in the morning and left, his, and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded, and he came to the trench as his host was going forth. And the Bible says he shouted for the battle. Now, in these days when it was wartime, Someone in the army would stand up and give a war cry. Now, remember, Goliath has been coming out for 40 days. Somebody come out and fight me. No one moves. And when David comes on the scene, the Bible says that David, he shouted for the battle. Now, I like this because when we get to the end of the chapter, guess what the whole army is doing? The whole army is shouting and pursuing at the end of the chapter. We know we need this in your generation. Look, you can reach your generation better than I can. You can reach your generation better than your pastor can, better than your youth pastor can. Someone in your generation should stand up and shout for the battle. Someone in the youth can say, hey, we ought to be living for the Lord. We ought to be on fire for God. We ought to get involved in this. We ought to get involved. Someone has to shout for this spiritual battle. David, he is serving. He is saluting. David is shouting. He's also surrendering. At the beginning of verse number 22, and David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and saluted his brother. Imagine this now, David, what's your big time job, David? Carry this Lunchable. Go into the battlefield. Now, can you imagine? Now, Goliath was already making fun of David as soon as he stepped forward. Remember that? He says, well, y'all think I'm a dog? That's what he said. He said, that you're going to send out this boy to fight me with a stick? So imagine now, he's already making fun. Now imagine how many jokes Goliath would have had if David stepped forth and he still had a Lunchable in his hand. Right? So this is where a lot of people miss it in their Christian life. And not just young people, but even adults alike. Because the closer we get to standing for God, the more things in our life we have to put down. And there are some people who will never stand for God. There are some young people who won't stand for God in their youth because they want to hold on to their Lunchable. And you don't want to put down anything, but the closer you get to standing for God, the more things in life you must put down. Sometimes it's that music. You got to put it down. Remember in the previous chapter, verse, chapter number 16, Saul had that evil spirit. What did he ask for? A musician to come in and play. The musician played and the evil spirit was soothed. Let me, let me ask you a question now. If an evil spirit can be played out, do you think one can be played in? There are some young people that are struggling, standing for God because they're listening to music that does not promote what they're saying they believe. And it's pulling them away. Sometimes you got to put it down. Sometimes it's a friend. Sometimes you got to put it down. Look, sometimes it's a goal and an aspiration that you have that God doesn't have for you. You got to put it down. But look now, God is not just telling you to put things down so you can't enjoy yourself. He's telling you to put things down because he got a rock and some slings for you. That you can use. He wants to free your hands up so that you can be used by him in a great way. But you can't do it if you got a bunch of stuff in your hands that God doesn't want you to have. He's putting it down. He's surrendering. We see the, the character of Job. We see the, I mean, the character of David. I just preached on Job last week. I've been preaching. All of them running together now. We, the character of David. Not only the character of David, but the connection of David. But then we're going to see the commitment of David. Look down at verse number 20, 28. David is getting closer to his opportunity to stand and fight Goliath. Verse number 28. And Eliab, his elder, eldest brother. You remember that guy? That, oh, this is the boy that looks like a king. 
He's sharp. All the girls say, ooh. Right? Verse 28. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep? David, we didn't even trust you with a lot of sheep. With whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. Now he knows heart. God just said, I'm the only one that knows the heart. Now Eliab knows the heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? David is resisted by his brothers. David is resisted by the king himself. David, you're just a youth. Look now, you will never do anything big for God without someone trying to remind you of how small you are. How are you going to do that? How are you going to accomplish that? There's no way you can do that. Look, you can do it with God's help. You can do it. And when you are resisted, you are to be reminded. David said in the next verse, is there not a cause? He's reminded of the cause. Later in the chapter, we'll learn that the cause is that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Whenever you are resisted from standing for God, you remind yourself why you wanted to stand in the first place. David said, I was resisted, but I'm reminded. Then he starts recruiting. Look, sometimes we think that David just went up and said one time, is there not a cause? But in the next verse, David, the Bible says that he looked at the one and then he went to the other. David, look, think about this. Now, in the next chapter, they'll say Saul has slain his thousands, but David, whoo, he's slain his tens of thousands. He's not there yet. David, in this chapter, he's still the shepherd boy. Imagine a little skinny, scrawny boy walking around the army asking these big old swole men, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? He's walking around the army. Is there not a cause? Is this little boy is looking at warriors, basically asking them, are you scared? Are you afraid? Look, when you are exposed to the cause, you ought to be exposing someone else to the cause. When you find a reason to stand, you ought to be exposing that to someone else. When you know the cause, you ought to be recruiting. Hey, let's all stand together. Let's all fight together. Let's all serve together. David, he's recruiting. He's reminded and he's resisted. We see his commitment. But then we're going to see his courage. And I want to spend a little time right here. Because one thing that I like about David is that David was a young person that had public confidence in his stand for God. He had public confidence in his stand. Look, it's easy to say when you're in youth group, I'm a Christian. Everyone in the sanctuary says, amen, he's a Christian. Right? You go to youth camp, I'm a Christian. Everyone says, hurrah. You go to Christian school, they say, I'm a Christian. They say, that's good. But then you go to that public school. You go to that ball team. You get around someone that is not Christian. You get around someone that's not standing where you're standing, and it seems that the public confidence goes away. So my question is, where did David, as a young man, how in the world did he get this public confidence? Young people, you got to get this now because you're, you're, look, I'm 30 years old, but you're dealing with stuff in your generation right now that I didn't have to deal with in my generation. Your pastor, he didn't have to deal with in his generation. You're dealing with stuff with, with te- how technology is now. You're dealing with some things. And some of you, your parents don't know about it. I, I think a lot of the reason we've lost so many young people with this technology shift is that the parents weren't aware of how accessible some things were. In my day, my mom could say, Ed, go in that room. You can't go outside with those boys. And I'm stuck. In your day, your parents say, go in that room. But as soon as you get Wi-Fi, everybody else in the room too. Hmm? As soon as you get on your Instagram, your TikTok, right, all that stuff, 
And you connecting with people that your parents don't even know you know. Your Xbox Live. Hmm? I, look, I know what's going on now. Don't look at me. I know what's going on. I've been around one or two teenagers. Look, you, you want to hear some craziness? Put those headphones on with your son on Xbox Live. Woo. Last time I got cussed out real good by a 14-year-old boy on Xbox Live. Mm, he cussed me like a sailor boy. He was good at it. He'd been doing it for a while, it sounds like. Some of the parents, they don't know what's going on. You have access to so much things. You're going to have to learn how to get some public confidence where you can be around wicked people and not feel like you got the lesser end of the deal because God's on your side. So how did David get this public confidence? Listen to me now. You don't hear anything else I say. Hear this. David got his public confidence from his private communion. He got public confidence from his private communion. Look at what he says to the king after the king says, you can't fight because you're a youth. Verse number 34. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of the mouth, out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Look, the king says this. The king says, David, you're just a youth. You can't go fight. And if I can put it in my own words, David said this to the king. King, this ain't my first fight. This ain't my first battle. He said a lion came, took a lamb. I grabbed that lion by his beard, smoked the lion. A bear came, I smoked the bear. He says, Goliath is going to be just like this lion and this bear. Listen to me now. There are some people who are struggling at fighting Goliath because you've been getting beat up by lions and bears. Look now, you're struggling in your public fight because you've been struggling in your private fight. You want to know how you get some public confidence to stand for God? Start winning private battles. Talking about the things that you're struggling with that no one knows you're struggling with. The things that you're dealing with that no one knows that you're dealing with. The things that's on your mind that no one knows is on your mind. You're not going to go and say, oh, I'm going to fight Goliath. I'm going to fight Goliath. You're not. You've been getting beat up by lions and bears all night. Now you're going to go. Look, let me let me say it like that. You've been getting beat up by lions and bears all night in private. And now you're telling me you're going to defeat Goliath in public. It's not going to work. Say, why is it not going to work? Because you're trying to do something that you are not spiritually conditioned to do. It may work for a little while, but it won't last long. How do I get public confidence? You get public confidence by having private communion. How many of you grew up playing any sports? Any sports? Basketball? Any basketball players? Football? Volleyball? Cheerleading? Water polo? Anybody? (laughs) Don't want to leave nobody out, right? (laughs) Baseball? Gymnastics? I'll take that. Can I get five and five? five, five anybody else got one? No. <laughs> Taekwondo. I don't, I don't want to mess with you, sir. But look, one, one thing that was, I, I grew up playing basketball. That was my main sport. And from the time we were, I was in Boys and Girls Club all the way through college, played basketball. And one thing that I, actually, I absolutely hated about basketball was the conditioning practice. I don't, care, I don't care what sports you play. If you had a conditioning practice, it's no fun. Look, let me give let some of you, some of you, y'all a little young. Let me give you some advice. If you go into a basketball practice and you don't see any basketballs, you're about to have a bad day. <laughs> if you go into a volleyball practice and you don't see any volleyballs, you're about to have a bad day. 
football practice and you don't see one football, that means you're going to run, 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 run. And guess what you're going to do when you get done running? Run some more. <laughs> it's conditioning. I've, I've had some crazy coaches in my day. I had, I had a coach one time. He pulled up in his Lexus. We're in, we in middle school. Who tells middle schoolers to meet me at the gym at 5 in the morning? Who does that? This man is crazy. Okay, but he pulls up in his Lexus, eating his Krispy Kreme donut, and he says, hey, y'all follow me. We're chasing him around the block while he riding his air-conditioned Lexus, eating Krispy Kreme donuts. I'm not bitter about it. I'm just still trying to get over some things. I had another coach. He said, hey, a new coach came in. He says, I want everybody to bring two bricks to practice. Two bricks. This man is a nut. <laughs> Says, bring in two bricks to practice. Said, what are we going to do with the brick? You know what we did for about 30 minutes with two bricks? We held them out like this and just chopped them. I dropped mine so it would break. <laughs> I got a half a brick. <laughs> Conditioning. Anybody ever did a suicide before? It is properly named. Coach says, baseline, touch every line. It's always one guy that won't touch the line. You know who the one guy was? It was your pastor. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he says, touch every line. And someone always cheats. Someone always doesn't make it before that clock. Got to run again. It's conditioning. It's conditioning. Had a coach. He said, for 20 minutes, as soon as practice starts, 20 minutes, we're going to run the sidelines, defensive slide the baselines for 20 minutes. AAU, 20 minutes is a halftime. You can do all that for 20 minutes. It's easy in the game. You get timeouts, you get fouls, you get free throws, you get halftime. Easy. The game became easy because practice was so hard. You could accomplish things in public because we were working in private. The guy that didn't, didn't, didn't exercise, before the game even started, he trying to show off in warm-ups. He, he, uh, uh, uh. All the Gatorade's gone. We ain't even jump ball yet. <laughs> what happened in private was exposed in public. That's what happens in your Christian life. That's what happens in my Christian life. If we're trying to be the individuals that God wants us to be publicly, we need to be the individuals that God wants us to be privately. When no one's looking, and then when everyone's looking, how, where did he get his public confidence? Public confidence came from private communion. Not only that, but he had a personal choice. They, King, says, King Saul says, okay, David, you can go fight. This is what I want you to do. I want you to put on my armor, put on my helmet, take my shield. Now, remember this guy Saul, he was head and shoulders above the rest. And now you got this 17-year-old boy trying to walk around with the king's armor on. <laughs> my, my daughter right now, she's going through this phase where, where she wants to put on my shoes. I mean, I don't know if her feet are so small or my feet are so big, but she can put on my shoes and she still has her shoes on. She puts them on and she starts get the walking, right? Look like a clown. <laughs> Before you know it, see the falls down, right? She gets frustrated and just gets up, get out of them, right? You know why she has a, such a hard time? Those shoes were not fitted for her. They were fitted for me. And there are some young people that have a hard time standing for God, living for God as, as a youth, because you're trying to put on an armor that's not fitted for you. And let me, let me, let me say this too. Because as youth pastors, as ministers, you work, we got to make sure that we're trying to get these young people to be who God wants them to be and not who we want them to be. If God didn't call the man to be a preacher, don't force him to be a preacher. You're putting a target on his back that's not for him. You're, you're, you're suiting him with armor that's not fitted for him. David said, King, I can't wear this because I haven't proved it. 
He said, I don't know what to do with this sword. I don't know what to do with this shield. I don't know what to do with this armor. But king, I know how to work this sling and I know how to use these five smooth stones. Look, God has something in his work for you. You don't have to be like me. I don't have to. The amazing thing about the Christian life, we can all be different and still all be like Christ. It's amazing. God has something for you to do. God has someone for you to be. And don't fall down in this spiritual battle because you're trying to imitate and be like someone that God said you can't be. Be content with being the person that God said that you can be. I know I'm spitting, so I'm going to go back up here. It's Corona season. Sometimes I forget. This needs to be thoroughly sanitized before. <laughs> he had that commitment. He had a personal choice. He couldn't wear the armor, but he could use the sling and the smile five smooth stone. You may not be able to do what your pastor does, your parents do, but you can. the goal is not to do what they do. The goal is to do what God wants you to do. Find the armor that's suited for you, his character, his commitment, his courage. Then we're going to see his chance. David gets his chance. I, I, I like David. David is, is an athletic guy. David is a guy that's coordinated. You know, some people, they can't walk and chew gum at the same time. They either chew the gum or they walk. They got to pick one. <laughs> it's like, take a step. Take a step, right? <laughs> this guy's coordinated. This guy is running, and while he's running, he reaches into his bag, and he loads up that sling. The Bible says that as Goliath sat there, as soon as Goliath stood up, that David ran, not running from him, but David ran towards him. He ran towards Goliath, loads up that sling, throws that rock. The rock hits him in the front of the head. And the Bible says that David fell down on his face. Now, one preacher said that the rock hit him in the front of the head and then God reached down and smacked him in the back of the head. I don't know if that's true, but it sure sounds good. <laughs> now, now Goliath is down and he's on the ground. And let me show you what David is doing. Look down at 1 Samuel 17. Look at verse, uh, verse 51. It says, Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Goliath stands up, David starts running. Goliath is knocked down, David starts running. And when I looked at this chapter, one thing that I noticed is that David, he's been running this entire chapter. <laughs> say, how, how can you say that? Look, look back at verse number, verse number 18. Sorry, verse 17. The Bible says, And Jesse said unto David, his son, Take now for thy bread an ephah of parched corn and these ten loaves, and do what? Run. Dad, you tell me I got to carry this lunchable and I have to run? Yes, sir, you do. <laughs> he ran. Look at verse number 22. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and did what? And ran into the army. Verse number 48. And it, was, and it came to pass when the Philistines arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and did what? Ran. Then in verse number 51, and David did what? Ran. Listen to me now. Listen now. When no one's watching, he's running. When everyone's watching, he's running. Some people would have been carrying their lunch, but going through the valley, kicking grasshoppers. Man, I don't know. I'm the king. They got me carrying cheese. You bring me some cheese. Right? Bible says when no one was watching, David, he was running. When everyone was watching, David, he was running. Look, we got to get to the point to where we're doing things. We're spiritually conditioning ourselves to do what God has for us to do. Not just trying to be someone in public that we're not in private. Be, be, be the person in private, and then God will give you the opportunity to be that person in public. 
David, he's running, he's running. He runs over and he, he kills Goliath and he cuts his head off with Goliath's sword. And David was a different kind of kid, man. David goes to the king and this, this guy goes to the king. He's still got Goliath's head in his hand. He's a different kind of kid here. <laughs> so king looks at him and the king says, whose son is this? Now, when I was a kid, if somebody asked me, who's your mama? That means I'm in trouble. That means I'm about to get a bad report. But King Saul says, I want to know whose son is this boy. And David was able, as a young person, to be a testimony that there is a God in Israel. David came out. He started shouting. You read the end of the chapter, the whole army is shouting. David came out. He started running. You read the end of the chapter when the Philistines fled. Guess what the, the Israel, Israel, children of Israel started doing? They started running. He started something. And I think you can do that too. I think God can use you to start something in your generation where we can have a host of young people that say, you know what? I'm not going to wait until I get older and say, you know what? I'm going to go out into the world. Let me make my money first and let me go enjoy myself first. And then I'll get back to serve the serving God. No, no, no. Give God your youth. Give God your life right now. The devil says tomorrow, but God says today. Give your life to God today. And I promise you when you do it, you won't regret it. I talked to uh, men that I've been in the youth group with and friends that I, that I grew up with, and they tell regret after regret after regret after regret. Listen to me. I don't have one regret. I don't have one regret. Giving my life to God, I have no regrets. But if you don't, you'll live a life that is full of regrets. I trust that we'll have some young people here this evening that will be committed. You know what? I'm going to give my youth to him. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your kindness to us, God. We thank you for these young people that we have here. And, God, I know that the prayer of their pastor and youth pastor and parents, God, I know that their prayer is that these young people will get it early in life. God, I pray that you'll help us as leaders to set the right example for these young people. But, God, I trust that you would give these young people the courage and the boldness that they need to stand in these wicked days. God, I pray that you remind them that they have something better because they have you. God, I pray that you keep your hand upon them. God, I pray there's any young person that's here this evening or any adult alike that's not sure that they're saved. God, I pray they would not leave without getting that settled. God, for those of us who are saved, God, I pray that we would make a commitment that we're going to continue to stand for you because we have seen the calls. We want all of the world to know that there is a God. God, I pray that you keep your hand upon them. God, I pray that you keep them away from the things of this world, away from the devil. And God, I pray that you also keep the devil away from them. And God, we'll give you all the praise and all the honor for it. In your name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Tonight, maybe you're sitting there, and as a teenager or a young person, you're saying, I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe you're sitting there, and you're saying, I'm not a teenager any longer. I'm out of the youth group. I'm older. But you still want to give your life to the Lord. Don't wait. Don't say maybe later. Don't say you missed it. Do it tonight. Don't say tomorrow. Do it tonight. I know the Lord is working right this very moment. I know many of you, no doubt, are ready to respond to the preaching of God's Word. One of the saddest things in life is whenever God is dealing with us and we don't choose to respond the right way. We sit there and we say, Lord, I'm not ready. The Lord's working in your heart. The Lord's calling you. 
the Lord's dealing with you, can I encourage you as the piano plays, come and spend some time at the altar. Don't hold off. Don't wait. Maybe there's some young people who want to say, Lord, use me. I'm ready to surrender my life, completely given to you. Maybe there's some adults who say, I'm ready to completely give my life to you. As the piano plays, Lord speaking to you, I want to encourage you. Find yourself at the altar tonight and give it to him. Some are uh, at this altar right at this very moment. Some of you are sitting. One of the hardest steps I ever took was the first step to saying yes. I had my entire life planned. I thought I had what college I was going to be going to, what my plans were, and where I'd be living, and all these many things. And then God got in on it. God began to show me what He had in store for me shared this just the other day, but whenever I surrender my life to the Lord, I haven't looked back. What a blessing it's been to be able to serve Him. I want to encourage you tonight. Don't miss this opportunity. The Lord's speaking to you. Don't sit there. Find yourself the altar. While I was away in Mississippi about a year ago, I was preaching at my parents' church, talking to an individual after the service. I've told you this before, but they made their way to the altar, and afterwards they came up to me. They said, I'll go to the altar every single service because there's coming a day when I won't be able to. I want to encourage you tonight. Lord speaking to you. Find yourself at the altar. Some are spending some time in prayer right now. If the Lord's speaking to you, I want to invite you to come and join.